What's up, Banana Bunch? Another episode of the Jungle Gyms Podcast. How we doing, everyone? Great. Me, too. Unless you said bad, in which case, I mean, I'm fine. It's, it's fine. Uh, before we get started, you know where I'm going with this. It's time for those of you who haven't yet to leave us a sweet review on Apple Podcasts. You know, you get on Apple Podcasts, you go, hey, I really like the show I'm listening to because I want it to be successful. And that's right. The easiest way, and it's very cheap, arguably free way to support a show. Did I say that in the wrong tense? It doesn't matter. You know where I'm going with this. If you leave a review for us, that helps us keep our ranking, moving up in the ranking. We want to keep our standing. We want to be we. I'm, I'm talking. There's not. It's just me and a frog in my pocket. I want to be the biggest podcast on the planet, right? I'm coming for you, Joe Rogan. Literally. But mostly we'll do that if you invite me. Uh, all kidding aside, though, uh, whenever you leave a review or you you know share the show with your friends and they listen to it, those downloads and those reviews help us you know become the most popular. And, and I, I feel pretty confident from reading some of your emails that you want me to be successful. So please do that. It's it's helping. I, you know I want to hit a hundred reviews by the end of the month. We're getting close, but uh, we're also getting close to the end of the month. So let's get those hundred reviews in. We don't have too many left, but we need some more. And thank you to all of you who have already sent out and posted those reviews. It means a lot, truly. I literally, 50% of my job at least is watching analytics and trying to track, okay, what did we do this time that worked? Did the, did I say it a certain way this time to get them to write more reviews this week? And that kind of thing. Just so you can have a quick peek into my uh, podcast-related psyche. Well... This week's episode's a big one, okay? And I'm actually, you know, it's hard usually to get me to shut up as I'm describing how I'm not going to talk much already. It's getting long-winded. Uh, but this week is a long one. Uh, I wanted to do a little beard wine spectacular. Now, as I promised last week, we've got a big section at the end where I'm joined by 50 West Brewing uh, because Jungle Gyms and 50 West just collaborated on a new juicy IPA that's available in stores. And you know what? If those of you listened last week, you knew this. And you also knew that you were going to grab at least a can or two uh, so you could sample along with us later in the show when we actually get to try it together, right? Okay, I guess technically I've already tried it at this point, but you don't have to know that, right? I'm just giving you a little uh, inside baseball there. But I thought that would be kind of fun. It's sort of a, a test run, right? Because in the future, what I'd like to do is, is get some products that we carry in store and say, hey, next week or in two weeks or whatever the lead time needs to be. And you can all help me determine that. Um, you can get some of the stuff in store and then we can kind of do these taste tests together. I think that'd be a lot more fun than just watching me eat stuff, right? I mean, the internet dictates that that's all people really want to do on YouTube is watch people eat interesting or new or strange to them types of things. And, you know, we like to encourage people to try new stuff here at the jungle. So I think that might be the future. Now, of course... If you didn't think a week was enough lead time, or if you have other comments or just want to talk to me, you can get in touch with me one of two ways. Podcast at junglegyms.com if you want to send me an email, or you could call me at country code 1, then area code 513-674-6855. I played a message we got two episodes ago, so you can actually see... When I do that, I'm uh, just trying to trick you all into going, oh, maybe I should catch up on a previous episode if this is the first episode you've ever jumped in on, right? It's kind of a clever little move. <laughs> yeah, that's just a, uh, it's another insider, a little insider trading. How about that instead? But coming up first, 
Uh, I wanted to introduce, and I won't even go that far with this. I just want to dive right into this week's episode because it's a it's a packed one. I know some of you clicked on this. You're like, wow, Mark, it's almost two hours this week. Who are you, Joe Rogan? I'm like, no, that's too, too many Joe Rogan references in this episode already. But when I first started here, I met, you know, you meet a lot of people in a new job, right? But due to the nature of our business and how busy we tend to be, I don't get to really meet everyone. And, and, and when you come into the store, you'll notice also I'm somewhat physically distant from some of the other departments, right? I'm like one of the first things you see. So you can imagine that location does help uh, breed familiarity in this case. However, this one gentleman made a point of coming in and uh, introducing himself to me, and I've been trying to sync something up with our calendar so we can have him on the show. And I'm really excited about this one. He is incredibly knowledgeable about all kinds of stuff. I mean, literally, too many things to ask. I want to. I, I, I'm trying to tease you without giving up the theme of the interview about to play. With me today in the WJJI studio is Michael B. from the wine department, sommelier. Um, uh, you have a lot of titles, I'm sure, at this point that I did not ask before we started. Yeah, and you, you don't want to know. It's a bunch of letters and like <laughs> alphabet soup. Oh, okay. Well, I, and now I'm extra curious because you said soup, one of my favorite foods. <laughs> no, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I know, I, I don't think I've told the audience this, but you were one of the first people that came in and introduced yourself to me when I first started here. So that meant a lot to me because oh. I was like, oh, you know, it's like new job things and you never know, especially in the creative space. So thank you for that. And I'm glad that we finally got a chance to do this. So am I. I mean, let's just face it. I heard there was somebody interesting working here, and it's like I, I had to rush over and say hi. <laughs> Within reason. I was like, well, now that my head is huge. Um, Michael, tell me, or well, tell the audience realistically, what's your job here? So I'm the, technically I'm the fine wine manager for the company, but really um, I get to talk about wine, taste wine, write about wine, and educate people about wine. Any questions they have from, you know, why is white Zinfandel not white to, you know, uh, the difference between a left bank Bordeaux, a right bank Bordeaux, anything, you know, from the mundane to the sublime. I like it. You've got that. You, you know, the way you talk, you have that, like something about your speaking gait. <laughs> I can tell that, you know, about a, not just wine, wine. Definitely. I'm like, of course, you know, about wine, but then I'm like, I bet you have a lot of other secret knowledge too. Well, I, I do have some, um, long-held hobbies and uh, like formula one racing yes. um, tennis um, just things that are a little bit off the beaten path curling oh my son my son was an ice hockey player and i love ice hockey but there was always like off to the side there was like curling lanes i was like what is that yeah so by the time it, it hit big on the olympics you know winter olympics it's like I got to learn about this. It's an interesting sport. It's one I've always wanted to, I, I kind of want to try it myself because I, I, I didn't skate a ton by any means, especially due to my paralysis in my youth. But I always like really, for some reason, had a weird affinity for both ice hockey, being on the rink. And I was always curious about curling when it got in there. But but, but I, I want to get back to curling. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's <laughs> swing back to uh, the, the wine end on Jungle. So before you came to Jungle, what were you doing? So... Um, in Northern Kentucky, there was a chain that had been around for a while called Cork and Bottle. Okay. And uh, I worked for the family that owned it, general manager, from 2005-ish on. Um, we had a couple of stores, and we really specialized in, in uh, bourbon, uh, high-end Burgundy and Bordeaux, champagnes, and um, really every spirit from anywhere in the world. That was just our, our metier. We just love that kind of stuff. 
So um, now whenever anyone comes in and like, do you have that thing they put in champagne to make it, you know, sweeter <laughs> from the cassis? Kier Royale? Yeah, that's it. So it's always fun. Oh, that is fun. Well, what made you, what, what was the uh, appealing part of Jungle coming up here? Um, well, I think it's probably having the best wine selection in the Midwest and one of the, the best wine selections in the country. I mean, when we put our inventory online, people lost their mind. They were like calling up and saying it's email thing. Do you really have that? I mean, is that something you can get or is it in, is it in the cellar right now? And everything we have online is in the cellar. There's no, we might get it or we can get it for you. It's like available to come pick up right now. And if I understand correctly, it, you were the driving force behind putting the online inventory up. Well, I mean, it was just, it was hidden back there. Yeah. I mean, we had it, but you know, somebody had to walk in, find the wine department, get the door open. And then, you know, so making it easy for them to search it and, and make it a part of, you know, our daily sales life and a part of people's, you know, um, routine when they're looking for something special for any occasion. And it's funny that you mentioned that because so from, I'm still somewhat feel like the outsider here, right? Because I'm still fairly new, but you know, for a long time, I always thought the seller was just a gag thing. You know, like it was, I just felt like it'd be on brand for jungle gyms. Like, Ooh. And I just assumed you opened those doors and it went to like an employees only area. Right. <laughs> so it is interesting now that I've been here seeing it open all the time and seeing you and Ed and everybody like bringing people in and out of there where it is a very, it's an experiential thing, right? It's a really cool room. And I mean, that is that a common thing? I mean, do you find sellers like that at other stores or is this a jungle gyms thing? No, no, actually we had a guy in from Toronto about two months ago and Pete heard about it and a friend who lives here in Cincinnati said, you have to come see this place, Jungle Gyms, and brought him in. And he walked in, he looked around, and it's, it's five levels high on both sides and just wines from all over the world, some of the finest selections you'd ever want to see. And he's like, how far would you have to go from Cincinnati? How big a circle would you have to draw around Cincinnati to find someplace like this? I said, I really don't know, but it'd have to be at least 1,800 miles. I mean, yeah. there's just no place... You know, I, I have friends from Chicago come in and like, nope, nothing like this in Chicago. I love hearing that, though. Yeah. And I think that's so cool about Jungle Gyms in general that we tend to have the foresight to do stuff. If we're going to do anything, we're going to do it big, right? I mean, hell, right before we did this interview, we were just talking about dressing the outside of the studio walls, <laughs> you know, and I love but I love that about this place. That's that's crazy to think about. I would assume then. So, you know, I would guess you've probably more than maybe some any of the other departments, you probably have people that visit from probably the furthest distances, I would almost oh, guess. Yeah. Um, there's uh, two couples with each have a couple of kids. They're in their um, early 30s mm -hmm. and they plan a couple of trips a year from West Virginia. They drive, you know, get here on Friday night, check into a hotel, shop all day Saturday, um, They'll like call ahead and, you know, get a few things together, want to look at a few items and then uh, they'll make their purchases. And they usually stop in, say goodbye and maybe pick up a couple of things on Sunday before they drive back to uh, to West Virginia. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I and I'm just sitting here. I'm like that. I love I love those kinds of stories and I love it because 
you know what I mean? It's such a, it should be such like a globally known brand, which obviously that's what part of my job. Right. But I love hearing those stories because it is a true testament. I mean, I meet someone in the store, I'd say every day that's not from town. They're just like, Oh yeah, we drove out here for whatever. Or, you know, came out for peppers. I had a guy on the show recently. It came into town for that. Oh. You know, a lot of people, they come in the side door, so they're in the beer and wine department first. Yeah. They don't come in the front door. And, you know, the first thing they say is, never been here before. Where is the hub? And <laughs> I actually walk the store every every week just to see, you know, like, so I know where the, the syrups are in the Italian section. Sure. Or the easiest way to get over to international or just whatever, because people, they're a little overwhelmed. Yeah. And we have maps, but, you know. Most Americans can't read a map if they're on the highway, much less if they're in a grocery store. It's funny that you mentioned that about the entrance, because I'd say if I heard one thing ever whenever I'm hanging out over there is people going, where is, and then insert product name there. So is there like a specific layout to the beer and wine department that makes sense maybe to you all that I could help the audience understand? Well, yeah, when you, when you come in the main entrance, the, beer, the, sh the store is shaped kind of like a horseshoe, mm -hmm. and beer and wine is on, uh, if you're looking at a horseshoe in front of you, it's in the bottom left-hand side of the horseshoe. Mm -hmm. So when you're entering it, you enter from the top of the horseshoe, from the main entrance, and you just go to the back of the store, and across, the first thing you see is like um, the value items, like carts with special clothe-out clothe items and clearance things. Right. And then as you go further back, it gets more and more high-end. And um, you get to the reserve walls, you get to the lay-down section, and then the back left-hand side is the uh, reserve cellar, the walk-in cellar. Mm -hmm. And behind that, outside that, going further to the back, is the higher-end Napa and Bordeaux and Burgundy and uh, so on. Cool. And, and I know, you know what I've noticed too in recent years, I'm sure they've been there probably for a while, but I love now seeing all of the, like the aisle labels as well, where it's like location specific. And so I was just sort of curious because I figured you all would have control of those things as far as how it was laid out. So I love hearing that. And it's like, yeah, as you get deeper into it, it's kind of like, it, it's actually really funny now that I think about it out loud because like the closeouts are totally like beginner entry level stuff, right? You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I just want to try a little something. And then as you get in, it's like expert mode. So now I can totally judge the type of people in the back far corner because they're clearly experts. <laughs> they drank their way through the front of the store. That's so cool. Um, talking about the reserve seller, like what, look, I realistically, I know I've joked with you about a bunch of the, about this off air, but I know zero about wine. So you say things like Bordeaux and I think you said something about like left bank or something. Oh. Before. What does any of that mean? Could you maybe like go down a list of some of like the highlights, the, some of the bigger types so well, I sure, can maybe sure. understand and then hopefully. So that, that's actually a really good question because whenever anybody comes into the beer and wine department, we always tell them, you know, you're going to have fun and you're probably going to learn something, you know, because you want people to be able to make up their own mind. They don't have to, they don't have to ask, you know, is this a good $10 Chardonnay? You know, but we, as we work our way through in the cellar, uh, about 50% is California and Pacific Northwest, Oregon. And the other uh, 40% is French from uh, Bordeaux, left bank Bordeaux, right bank Bordeaux, Rhone, and Burgundy and Champagne. And then the other 10% is Northern Italian, Central Italian, Spanish, Pacific Northwest, and a little bit of dessert wine. But those, those are all... You know, those are places that mean something. But when you come in, you can actually see, you know, 
uh, first growth Bordeaux. We have all five first growth Bordeaux. We have most of the second uh, labels from the first growth. We have tons of Grand Cru, the highest rated Burgundies, mm. tons of Premier Cru Burgundies. Most expensive wine in the world every year is uh, Domaine La Romaine Conti, which is uh, a domain in Burgundy, which is in eastern France. And the most expensive wine from that is, you know, in the fourteen, fifteen thousand dollar bottle range. And wow. we get so little of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Okay, so you say a number like that, and then, of course, that's like my head immediately goes to Jungle Jim's has a $15,000 bottle of wine in the store kind of a thing. Like, okay, what? <laughs> well, no, just what? That's the whole question. Uh, no, but, <laughs> but, but realistically, why? Like, what is what, what makes that so special? What makes that? Well, um, the highest rated vineyards in Burgundy are Grand Cru vineyards, and the highest rate of the Grand Cru vineyards are the Monopoly vineyards, the ones where the entire vineyard is owned by one producer. And Romani Conti Romani is the highest rated Grand Cru Pinot Noir in the world. It's very, very low production, sometimes as low as, um, this is going to sound technical because it is, but, no, but say as it. low as 10 hectoliters per hectare, which is like saying about... 150,000 pounds of grapes per acre, Okay, which seems like a lot, except for that entire vineyard is 1.17 acres. Oh, wow. So there's not a lot. Yeah. And um, with yields that low and demand so high, you know, every billionaire in the world wants some, and there really literally isn't enough, even if, you know, for a six-pack for everybody who's got a billion dollars, not wow. going to happen. That's crazy. That's so interesting. So I, and, and one of the things I was going to ask about that is like with some of these vineyards and realistically some of the locations is, is there something special about that? Or is it always just a, you know, quality obviously being a big part of it, but is it so much of it supply and demand driven? Well, it's, it's all supply and demand on, on an item like that, but it's also quality because when they do the harvest, they handpick the grapes into small one foot wide baskets then they sort those grapes. If there's any flaw, they just throw them away. Wow. And before they get to that point, they drop most of the clusters off the vine. They only have one or two maybe clusters per vine to start off with. They just drop them on the ground. And there is no second label. They don't sell any grapes to anybody. They just make whatever wine they can out of whatever they can harvest. Wow. And they're just all they care about is making the best Pinot Noir in the world. Yeah. They're just like, we know this one thing we're going to do. Well, I am so, I'm so interested that nothing gets done with the other grapes. I'm almost surprised. Well, I mean, it's, it's just a situation where there wouldn't be enough anyway. Right. I mean, there's, there's such a low yield and there, there, the funny thing is there are legal limits to how much wine you can make in really? a Grand Cru vineyard. Okay. There's a limit to what they could make, but they're so far beneath it. They, they would never have to worry about it. Wow. But, you know, people always, you know, they always think of, of, of wine as being a commodity and it is. But if you look at the total volume of Bordeaux mm -hmm. versus the total volume of Burgundy, it's, it's like less than a hundredth. Really? It's just, it's much smaller and the yields are much lower. You know, when you look at like just one single house, uh, I think they made 40,000 bottles of Chateau Aubryon uh, uh, estate, you know, lead estate wine, okay. their first growth. And 
the total production for somebody like um, Domaine Le Romani Conti for all uh, of their Pinot Noir would be uh, let's see, 3,000 bottles. So one-tenth is just one of the first growths. Wow. Uh, so you keep saying first growth. What, what does that mean? Well, in 1855, <laughs> the, yes. uh, the, French, the French government did a, um, a ranking of all the Bordeaux west of the Dordogne, north of the village of Bordeaux itself. It's a relatively small area mm-hmm. um, when you consider all the, all the in the region. But there were four uh, chateaux. They got named first growth in 1855, Latour, uh, Lafitte, uh, Aubryon and Margot and they added Mouton Rothschild it was Lafitte Rothschild in 1855 and in 1973 Mouton Rothschild applied and was granted first growth status so cool but like I'm like oh wow of course there's some you know I was very excited that you had like a historical lesson for this too because <laughs> I, I was curious you know, again it's I think one of the things that's been daunting about the world of wine to me and why I've kind of stuck with beer generally speaking is that it feels like <laughs> this could sound so stupid but it feels like there's a lot of terminology and obviously requisite knowledge to really appreciate it and you know, it's funny, like to put it into another language, I think about it the way I think about like guitar players and I could spend a day and a half just speaking on one. I'm like, all right, here's his picking style. And so now I'm kind of going, oh, this is why it's hard to talk to me. But realistically, I'm sitting here thinking that like, maybe the way I should word it is, how would you take someone like me and help them get over that hurdle? Because I, I'm laughing that you really were speaking French, but a lot of that was almost like another language at times where I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I've heard of some of the locations, but it's like things like Grand Cru, the first growth, all that stuff. You know, I'm just like, oh, cool. You maybe, know, <laughs> Maybe you do it the same way you do everything else. You start at the beginning. You don't start right. at the top. Start at the close yeah, Like. We just start with, with entry-level wines and find out what you like. Yeah. And you just, like, each week you come to, like, one of our wine tastings, like the Wednesday night wine tasting we're doing tonight, where we do, like, five, six, seven wines or a walkabout where we'll do, like, 30 or 40 of them. Okay. And you can just try wine side by side and you start to develop a taste for what you like. And sometimes people get to a certain point and $25 a bottle, they're perfectly happy and they never go past it. Yeah. But sometimes, and this is something that a lot of people have said, you know, uh, God damn you for giving me that $100 bottle. <laughs> you can't go backwards. Once you find out you like right. something, now you've got a new benchmark. Of course. So that happens sometimes, but a lot of times, you know, people just, they're just trying to find uh, their own personal uh, discovery level. They just want to, they want to be happy. They want to try things. They want to be challenged. Uh, they don't want, and that's a good thing about Jungle Gyms. Nobody's going to make fun of you if you say something wrong. Or right. You just, you know, you're not sure what you want. People come in sometimes and they say, and I kid you not, I had a wine and a bottle with a yellow label and it wasn't real sweet. And from there, we figured out what wine it was because you ask him if it's a slope shoulder bottle or a square shoulder bottle, which tells you where the wine comes from. And what oh, the, really? What the, yeah. The, the shape of the bottle actually tells you a lot about what it could potentially be. Oh. So we go there and we start, you know, you know, a little bit of the flavor profile. Somebody yeah. say it, had, it tasted a little smoky. Now we're looking at a slope shoulder bottle. It's a little smoky with a yellow label. We're looking at it's Syrah from Cote d'Aron in southern France, or maybe you know Washington State. 
and by God, we find it. That's amazing. I love that. You know, you spoke to a point that I think I want to really make clear to the audience that from the jump, all of you have made me, I mean, I, I wasn't kidding when I said you made me feel comfortable here at work just by coming in and introducing yourself. So I can guarantee anybody listening that like, yeah, you won't get me. This is like the one place where I really don't feel like anyone would be weird if I was like, ugh, or, <laughs> oh, I really like this one. And it's something terrible, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if nothing else, we'll all keep it to ourselves. We'll just talk about it in the podcast room. <laughs> but no, but that is something. And I think maybe that's another thing that I'm not realizing. I always, I used to joke about uh, before I got into like coffee uh, that there's a lot of like menu anxiety where I'm like, oh, there's a lot of terms here that I have no idea what those mean. And then not that you're worried about getting made fun of, but like, you know, I tried a lot of this stuff later in life and I was kind of like, oh, you don't know what you should be ordering at Starbucks by now, Mark. So I really appreciate that you guys, you know, I would say that so many times whenever I've gone to another, you know, like a place that carries fancy wines, there is this stuffy kind of like, oh, absolutely, you know, and, and I get that because it's like a, it's a field with a lot of knowledge and, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you had to work hard and we'll get there, but I'm sure you had to work hard, you know, for a long time to become an expert. But what I think is so cool is that, yeah, you guys are really unassuming about it. And it's like, yeah, you have all this knowledge, but you're not going to make me feel weird about it. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's a My very problem. long roundabout way to get to a thanks for that. But I know I think it's I think it's important that the audience hears that kind of stuff too because no, it it's is like because people don't people like I said before, they just they might want to learn something, mm -hmm. but they want to be talked down to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, Not you're like happen. incredibly approachable. I feel that way about the whole team where everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I brought some family in recently and it was just fun. I, I ran into Ed that day and he was just like, well, let's talk about a few things here. And it was just, it was funny to see him just really like, you know, he's always been kind and friendly and fun with me, but it was really nice to see him like really turn it on for the customer too. And I was like, oh man, that's just, you know, it's so nice. I don't know. That's a simple way to put it, but it made me at ease. Uh, but, and, and let me roll out of that into... I'm still constantly thinking about the bottle tell. So what are some other tells in the wine world about, like you mentioned, the shoulder, the slope shoulder versus the square shoulder. Are there other tells in bottles or the way it's packaged or anything like that that could well, give you an idea? Well, yeah. I mean, when you're looking at French wine, people always ask what the grape varietals are. And that's one of the things we explain to them. You know, a, a bottle with sloping shoulders instead of square shoulders. Mm -hmm. That's the typical bottle from Burgundy. That's why they don't put Pinot Noir on the label in, in Burgundian wines. Yeah. If it's a red, that's the only red you can do, technically. A little bit of Gamay, but that's not for not important. So the Pinot um, is never on the label. So people just don't realize that all red wine from Burgundy is Pinot Noir. All white wine from Burgundy, with one exception, is Chardonnay. So it never says Chardonnay, but if it's not Chardonnay, it has to say. There's a grape called Aligoté, okay. which is grown in a little village called Bougeron. Mm -hmm. And if it's Bougeron, it's Aligoté. There's no Chardonnay there. Interesting. I think it's so cool how so much of this is regionally based. So with... Well, they've been growing grapes there for 2,000 years. That's what I was going to say. They right? got really, really good at it. Yeah. And well, and so then that really brings me to one of my other thoughts, which is I'm seeing a lot now of it happening. Obviously, you've heard you know, of California and you mentioned Washington State and all of that. How are we doing on the American side? Like, is it is it comparable? I mean, you know, obviously it's a much shorter. We haven't even been here that long. So there, there it is more than comparable. 
There have been numerous blind tastings with French judges between American California wines, mm -hmm. uh, Oregon Pinot Noirs, and French Burgundy and French Bordeaux. And the French wines always lose. Really? And there was a, there was a movie <laughs> called Bottle Shock. And it's about Chateau Montalena. Okay. But really, it's, uh, the, the real story was there was a winemaker named Mike Gergich who has his own place now, has for a long time, about 40 years. And he was a winemaker at Chateau Montalena. And they made Chardonnay, and they went in and they beat all the, the white burgundies in a blind tasting. And all the French, it was all French judges in France. That's amazing. And um, a guy named Stephen Spurrier from uh, London set it up, a wine merchant who had a wine school and a wine store. And he didn't think the California wines were win. He went to California, tried some stuff, thought it was pretty good, thought it would be a good publicity stunt, right. you know, to sell American wine in Europe, right? Yeah, that's funny. And uh, the French judges boycotted <laughs> him and his store. They blamed him because he brought in wine, and it's like they must be ringers. Or what? They were going up against the best Bordeaux and Burgundy and, you know, made at the time. Yeah. And the same thing happened on the red side. Uh, the, the Bordeaux's <laughs> uh, lost, uh, you know, wine had been... I think they had planted the grapes quite a long time ago, but the winery itself, you know, wasn't that old. We're talking 1976. Right. Right? Anyway. That's crazy. Why do you think, why do you think that they won? Because California is a Mediterranean climate, but okay. it has, has great soil. It has great, uh, just everything that you need to make great wine is present there. Okay. And it was just a situation where, Bordeaux is a continental climate, so they have real winters and everything. Oh, sure. And um, they were also trapped by tradition. They were doing things the way they'd always done it, and nobody had ever made better wine than them, in their opinion. Right. So when somebody in California says, well, we can do this and we can do that, but we can let the grapes get a little riper and we can do, you know, we can buy French barrels, but they just, they took, you know, the French oak, which is the best oak. They took the best pruning techniques, but they had a little bit warmer climate a little bit cooler evenings, which maintains acidity, so you can uh. get more ripeness because it's balanced by the acidity in the grape. And all yeah. of a sudden, you've got the best Cabernet ever made wow. in uh, the middle of you know Napa in 1972. That's amazing. And, you know, I was so curious about that because, you know, again, one of those things as an, an outsider to the wine world, I kind of just blanket assumed. I'm like, okay, all the European stuff's going to be the best for the reasons you stated, right? They've been doing it for thousands of years. They, you know, but it is interesting to hear how... We do, and as people get trapped in those traditions, which aren't always the best option now. So I'm curious, do you think that some of these, have they changed at all overseas? In well, yeah, there's, there was a, a wine critic named Robert Parker, and he founded Wine Advocate, which was, he was a lawyer in Baltimore. Oh, really? Yeah, but he thought he knew more about wine, and he had a really good palate, and he was actually right. He, he does have a good palate. And he, um, he founded Wine Advocate, which was advertising free from day one, never took any ads. So there was never any chance that somebody would, you know, give him a free bottle or this or that to get a good score. Right. And um, he's actually been given the highest award the French government gives out to non-French citizens okay. because of his work raising the quality and the uh, recognition of French wines over the years. I mean, if he gives, if he, there was a time when if he gave a wine 100 points, it went from being a $50 bottle of wine to a $800 bottle of wine overnight. Wow. That's the kind of clout he had. That's amazing. And he still has to a degree, but there are more people now and the wine world's bigger. But yes, there's, there's 
been a slight, there's old world, which is France and Italy and Spain. Mm-hmm. And there's new world, which is the United States, Australia, and South America. And there are a few other places that blend in, but that's the bulk of it. Oh, so the American style is, um, which is a little riper, a little bolder on the fruit, okay. uh, has become more of the standard. And some of the, the Bordeaux guys took a piece of that. And because of global warming, now they can do a little bit riper style. Like right. we try wines all the time from all over the world. And you can see, you know, based on the, on the vintage and the, and the winemaker decisions, which direction things are going. Interesting. And I didn't even think about that with the global warming, too. That's probably, honestly, weirdly beneficial in certain areas. It actually is weirdly beneficial. <laughs> yeah, it's like I hate to be like, oh, this is yeah. one of the, ah, a little bit of good Don't news. Don't let people know where we live. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about developing a palate earlier, and that's, I think, another one of those things that I've always been curious about. What? How would you? How does one develop a palate? By know, trying, how do I run my... Yeah, okay. You, by trying as many different wines as you can and keep an open mind. There's, when I first started drinking scotch, I tried Isla Scotch. And Isla Scotch has a really, really high peat content. It tastes like somebody put a fire out with it. And, you know, that's just, that's, that's an acquired taste. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. And, um, you know, Highland Scotch is finished in port and sherry cask and it doesn't have nearly as much of a smoky edge to it. Okay. And it's a touch sweeter. Well, same thing in wine. There, there are wines in the world that have really firm tannins that people uh, initially feel are bitter, even though I don't. I can understand what they're saying. If you ever put like a, a really strong black tea tea bag in hot water and let mm-hmm. it steep too long, yeah, that tannin, that's that bitter kind of feel on it. Oh, that okay. astringent kind of thing where it feels drying in the mouth. That's the same exact compound that you get out of grape skins that, oh. that gives the same effect. If a wine's really tannic, then uh, it either needs a little bit of time to rest and integrate, or you just have to enjoy it in that way. When you say rest and integrate, what exactly do you mean? That by means that? age in the bottle for anywhere from three to ten years, just okay. so that the tannins integrate a little bit and they soften up and they become more part of the wine instead of on top of the wine or separate from it. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because I could see that being. You know, I mean, I've tried a few things, but I'm like, I can definitely understand like the layering of flavors there and how. And and grapes have different levels of tannins. Where it based uh, on just the natural characteristics of the grape. Like there are some grapes that are really thin skinned, like Pinot Noir, that have low tannin. Mm-hmm. But there's a grape called Nebbiolo from northern Italy that has thin skin but very high tannins. And conversely, they're like thick-skinned grapes like Cabernet Sauvignon or Tanat that have high tannins and thick-skinned grapes uh, that have low tannins. It's just like it's, it's, it's not that there's no rhyme or reason to it. Thick-skinned grapes tend to have more. Thin-skinned grapes tend to have less. But it just depends on, you know, the genetics of the grape. Wild. I love how much of that, like, it's almost like, you know, I, I talk about food being an art and, and obviously making alcohol obviously would fit in that mold too. But it's crazy to me how much like science really is behind this. Well, here's something. We're, there's science and then there's philosophy. So when you, when you have wine with dinner, do you think of the wine being the stem and the food being the flower or the food being the stem and the wine being the flower? Oh, that's a great question. I think I'm the latter in that regard. So in France, the wine's the stem, the food's the flower. Okay. In California, it's the other way around. It just tends to be, a you know, I'm going to have this big, giant, juicy cab with my steak. 
Right. Whereas, you know, theirs be, I'm going to have this elegant, you know, <laughs> structured wine with my pâté de foie gras. Do you do a lot of, like, wine and food pairings as well here? Um, so I don't do a lot of them here, but um, I do occasionally do dinners for people off-site. And, yeah, it'll, it'll be like we did have um, Jungle and his wife Joni donated a wine tasting in the cellar. And uh, a financial planner from up in Canton who went to Miami University, it was the, the donation was to support Miami University Athletics. Oh, okay. And uh, a Miami alum who um, is a financial advisor up in Canton, Ohio, bought it. And um, I did French white burgundies, uh, Chardonnays, and California Cabernets. And what was funny was he showed up, and he had a French couple who grew up in Burgundy with him. <laughs> no pressure. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How'd that go over? Uh, it actually went over really well. I was... I was Pleasantly surprised. They uh, they like my explanations and why you know I picked the wines and as we you know tried them we had a charcuterie board and you know some really nice cheeses and everything to try with them. It went it went very well. It was fun. I assume that would be one in your skill set too. There's just again something about you. I was just like I bet he knows the perfect <laughs> thing to pair with literally everything in the back of that store. So. Hopefully you're not inundated with questions now yeah. like that by everybody. Well, the good thing is I can also make it. I can also cook a little oh, bit. Oh, see, a man of many talents. So uh, speaking of that, how did you get into this world in the first place, right? Like, I mean, what was the, yeah, <laughs> I love so, the smirk. <laughs> yeah. So in my Jungle Gym bio, uh, which they put together for the, the wine festival a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to Zach, head of creative upstairs, and I said, so I got into it because when I was like under the age of 16, I tried beer at a family gathering and I hated it. But it was because it was, it was like cheap Cincinnati. It was like burger or something. Right. And it's like, got anything else? And he said, well, we got some cognac and some wine. I tried that and it's like, yep, I know where I'm going. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my bio says, actually tried beer at age 15, hasn't had any since. <laughs> But that, but seriously, that like created like a, a lifelong passion. Ultimately, well, it, it started off just you know knowing what I did did like and didn't like. But um, I was working for a private uh, club downtown uh, in the mid eighties, mm-hmm. and they had one of the uh, first American uh, master psalms working there. He was getting ready to go out to California to take over uh, Oakland Country Club in Concord, California, and. Um, I worked with him for six months and, you know, we tried everything from a uh, $5 a bottle California Cabernet to a 1961 Chateau Aubryon first growth. And I will tell you, you should not have a 1961 Chateau Aubryon first growth in your first six months of, of wine training. <laughs> but, uh, but all about that benchmark. Uh, well, you remember when we were talking about appreciating something? Right. Yeah, you don't appreciate it. It's like, this is really... <laughs> Different. Good. I mean, <laughs> so I should clarify 1961 was one of the best vintages ever. Okay. And Obreon's a first growth, one of the, the, the uh, at that point, one of the four first growths when it was made. And um, it's a, a 98 to 100 point wine, no matter who tried it. And I had it in 1988 when it was probably at the peak of its drinking. Oh, wow. Because we found a half bottle of it in the cellar that wasn't listed. And he said, what do you think we should do with this? And I said, well, 
you're in charge. What do you think we should do with this? And he said, I think we should drink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough now. I'm pretty sure no one's going to be yeah. upset about that. What's the statute of limitations <laughs> on enjoyment, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, it was just um, starting there. And then I, I worked for um, Aramark and business dining services. And they were nice enough to send me to the CIA for the summer training class, which is the Colonial Institute of America. I went to the one in Hyde Park. Uh, okay. Hyde Park, New York, and um, fancier Hyde Park than yeah. the locals thought of, <laughs> and just uh, was exposed to more and more good wine over the years. And um, by the mid two thousands, I was tired of of working in uh, for Aramark and, and business dining services, and that was when I was offered a job uh, full time at Cork and Bottle, yeah. and we just happened to have one of the the best selections of Bordeaux and Burgundy and Champagne in the Midwest. Too funny. I remember that when we first moved here, I, Cork and Bottle was a staple in the house because mm -hmm. we live fairly close to it. And I'm in Northern Kentucky now, but uh, it's, it's, it, I don't know where I was going with that. No, but it's, it's nice. Well, it, to was, hear it was, it was a major player in, in the area. Yeah. And, you know, we had just really just a, especially Bordeaux and Burgundies, just amazing selection. So, yeah. We had people, uh, we had a, I won't name, name him, but he was a, a manager of the New York Met, ex-player, mm -hmm. who would come in and just raid this. He would buy like $40,000 worth of burgundy at a oh shot. Gosh. That's crazy. It is. But, you know, it's not hard to do it, $1,000 a bottle. Well, I was going to say, and, and I was thinking about that here, too, where I have to assume people checking out with you, their bills have to look insane compared to the other departments, more than likely. Yeah, there's, you know? some, there's some serious purchases. I'm sure. Have you had any? Uh, have you had any particularly high-profile people come in here that you feel comfortable saying? I mean, they're just like local business executives and so on. I mean, nobody just, uh, just generally be, very wealthy people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and nobody who would who would be known to the, to the general public. Gotcha. That's still cool, though. I mean, it's just so interesting to me that we've got all that kind of stuff under the roof. You know. Well, that's just it. People really do come from from all over, either uh, electronically looking at the inventory online or, you know, in person if they're, if they're able to. Yeah. I didn't even know about the online inventory thing until this week, actually, when I was doing a little pre-show research and I was like, Oh, online inventory. And then, yeah, what a great idea. I mean, I, and I think that's something that we're kind of trying to work on across the board, but it, I mean, that's gotta be helpful for the department, right? Well, I mean, just yesterday we had uh, a lady come in. She had seen, we have a, we had a really rare bottle of Australian Shiraz uh, a Clarendon Hills Astralis 2003, mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the finest Shirazes ever made. And she'd been looking for it because she and her husband had had a bottle and she found it online, like came in, she got that. And uh, I think 15, she ended up with 18 bottles. So she got 18 bottles total, but that was like her um, halo bottle. Yeah, I love it. Now I'm thinking about like, what would yours be? You're, you're talking about the Halo bottle. Mm -hmm. what, what, what would be that for you? Oh, for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, a Costery, uh, Alain Costery, Corton Charlemagne, uh, which is a Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. I used to drink that back when it was like $150 a bottle. Yeah. So we can't get it. We can't get it here. Wow. No kidding. And it's in the mid threes to mid fours Woo. a bottle now. Amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it really is. I mean, the price, that's what I'm talking about. The price of, of Burgundy's just through the roof. 
beyond beyond reason. So crazy. But it's like kind of worth it. And now you've got me excited about it where I'm just like, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> well, you come over to the cellar. I'll, sh- I'll show you the, the absolute closest thing you can get to it that does not cost $3,500 a bottle. So and I felt like that would be a whole, I feel like we could do a whole episode on that. It's like, oh, you like you have very fancy taste, but you don't have a very fancy budget. <laughs> You know, absolutely. That'd be fun. We should we should definitely do that. Well, I, and I keep meaning to come over to the tastings. And actually, I think this is like the first Wednesday in a little bit where I actually will be available to do that. So I'm taking you up on that today. That's cool. So on the personal side, then, if you've got you still got a few minutes. Okay. Um, on the personal side, then one of the questions I do like to ask it hasn't made it in for all the interviews. Uh, but if I hadn't met you here, you know, you mentioned Formula One racing before, and it's something I'm trying to get interested in. But if I hadn't met you here, where do you think I would have run into you? Um, Formula One track, tennis court. Um, I mean, I, there's there's a lot of things that I, I enjoy doing. Yeah. I also play, used to play a lot of instruments and like music and stuff. So uh, a jazz club would be a good place. There's a oh, place you would definitely can, find. Can me I there plug too. somebody? Yeah. Cafe Vivace over in uh, Walnut Hills. Yeah. Great little live. It's right across from esoteric brewing. Yeah. Uh, which we sell their, their products also in the Perfect. beer department. <laughs> uh, oops. Yeah. And, I, um, I love it. Store plug. But, but Cafe Vivace is a beautiful little venue for cool. live jazz. They, they have everybody from uh, like, the best piano players and guitar players and vocalists to students at UC who are just getting started. Yeah. Just give them an opportunity to get in front of people. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. And, and you know, I really, it's nice to know. I've been curious about the spot, but I haven't gone. It's again, it's that menu anxiety where I'm like, and I'm usually going places alone. So I'm just like, oh, I don't know about this. Am I cool enough to be here? The answer is probably yes, but yeah, no, that I appreciate that. So now I'm definitely going to go check that yeah. out. Oh, it sounds good. I too enjoy the jazz. I did a jazz festival a couple of months ago. Right. Uh, uh, it was in Indianapolis, so it was put on by the Jazz Kitchen, and I forget who the other sponsors were, but they like took over this huge park, and it was a pretty wide variety of styles. But I got to see a lot of great sax players. Marion Meadows showed up. Uh, who else did I really enjoy that day? Corey Henry, uh, who used to be in the group Snarky Puppy. I uh, really, really, really enjoyed that. It kind of like a, you know, I'm like really hot on like a lot of the new the new jazz styles. I feel like fusion's kind of taken on a whole new thing. You know, yeah. this is how I lose the audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, that was, I started playing instruments when I was eight or nine years old. Yeah. And started off on woodwinds, clarinet, saxophone, oboe, and then switched over to brass a little bit. And then, uh, uh, eventually my son, when he came along, he's, um, started on cello and he was like, this, this isn't for me. Like, what do you think? He's like, guitar. So, you know. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you still get to play at all? Uh, yeah, I still have my, now my grandson is playing. He's, um, oh, he's awesome. playing all the same instruments I started on. Plus, he's smarter. He had a piano. Um, I, I told myself at the beginning of the pandemic that I was like, um, I bought a keyboard cheap off an auction. I'm like, I'm going to learn this. And... I did really well for a while. And I was pretty, I was surprised. You know, I guess I'm like a little bit musically inclined. I've mostly been a singer. I play guitar, not super well, but well enough. You can um, read music. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so, and I played saxophone growing up. So as I always love hearing another woodwind player. But I kept telling myself, I was like, this is going to make sense. Because I always really wanted to be into percussion. 
And so I was kind of like, oh, I think piano might solve all of the needs I have where it's a fun instrument for me to play while I'm singing. It plays to my need to be percussive with my hands and a bunch of other things. And I did pretty well for a few months and then loaned the keyboard to a friend to compose some music for a short we were doing. And then I literally just got it back. <laughs> and, you know, just not for a bad reason, but it was just one of those like life kind of got in the way repeatedly. And then I just got it back recently. So I'm hoping, slowly but surely, I'm building up my little music corner in here because I love hearing when someone's like, oh, I can play an instrument. I'm like, well, I just happen to have an alto sax hanging out over here. You'll laugh, but I literally do have my alto in the trunk of my car right now. No, I'm not laughing. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. It's like once you know me, right? Oh, that's so cool. Well, I think what we're going to need to do, I think you and I are going to need to do something with uh, Formula One because I've been, I have a buddy who's been trying to get me in forever. And he's like, dude, all you got to do is get up at like 3.45 in the morning and that's when the streams start. And I'm just like, it's in that weird pocket now where I'm like, I've definitely hit that age where I'm like, okay, I'm too old to stay up for it, but I'm also still too young to wake up for it. <laughs> but I'd really like to know more about that too. So impart it's, your knowledge. I'm, I'm here. We'll drink. Well, you can teach me about wine and fun, fast cars. We can talk about um, the wines made next to the different Formula One venues. Oh, see, that's the tour we need to do. There you go. That's, we should just pitch that to the cooking school. We'll all go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably, probably make a road trip. Yeah, that's be fine. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Mons is in northern Italy. There's some great wine there. Oh, see, that's perfect. No, I think, look, I think we've come up with a plan. This is next year on the podcast. We've got to do that. So I'd be in it. Yeah, right. I think it'll be fun. Well, seriously, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Hopefully this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Um, I've really, I mean, seriously, anytime you've got anything fun going on or anything you want to push or whatever, just come in, even if it's just a few minutes that you want to get it on the air. I'm down. You've always got time here for me. I'm on board. Sweet. Sounds great. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. Michael, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to uh, taking in a few of those Formula One races and maybe a nice glass of a Bordeaux or something. I'm still not 100% clear on all of the different wine genres, but guess what? Michael will be back through every so often. We're kind of kicking around the idea of doing a uh, New Year's episode uh, with him and uh, one of our uh, experts from the Eastgate store for New Year's Eve, talking about like champagne and that kind of stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. If you think that would be fun, let me know. If you think it would be terrible, and you would turn it off. Also, let me know. I'd like you to help guide the content a little bit. Well, everyone, you know it's that time. Go ahead and grab your six-pack, if that's what you bought, or at least a glass of the Jungle Gyms and 50 West collab, Road to the Jungle. We're going to try out this new juicy IPA, and guess what? We even got Jungle to join all of us in the studio. So get ready for a lot of laughs, a lot of mayhem, and some great storytelling with the crew from 50 West Brewing. Well, welcome to the show, 50 West and Jungle. We're here. All right. All right. All right. Ferdinand yeah. the man. Ferdinand the man. I'm excited about this. I think we should start by trying this juicy IPA, the Citrus Bomb, as uh, created by a combination of both us here at the Jungle and obviously collaboration with 50 West. So I'll drink to that. Yeah, cheers. 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 I got new coasters in, so you guys get to be the first one to break those in. Little, little records. They're great. I love the way they feel versus how they look. Like they look like they're going to be like crunchy and hard and like made of vinyl and they're, they're pretty pleasant to touch. I'm here for it. So you might be missing one later, it sounds like. That's fine. I'm prepared for it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I feel like, Scott, you should you should like taste make everyone here. Like walk, walk, us, walk us through the whole thing. Yeah. What, 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 what do you want me tasting here? Well, I want you to taste whatever you feel like you taste. Good. I mean, 
your taste is your taste. You know, if you tell me this, this beer tastes like chocolate to you, that's what it tastes like to you. And there's no way I can argue <laughs> against that. Um, but what I taste and what most people probably will taste is a lot of chocolate. Is a lot of chocolate. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's a big orange juice, you know, kind of explosion, if you will. So it was brewed with Caracara oranges that we sourced here from Jungle Gems. So there is actual citrus. We zested a bunch of them. So we used the citrus zest uh, in the in the hot side of the brewing operation. We used some of the juice as well. Um, we used a lot of the, the flesh and stuff um, in the fermenter later on. So there's a whole lot of orange that's been added to it. We also paired it with a lot of hops that are known to be kind of citrus and orange producing flavors. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that orange on top of orange kind of thing. Uh, the yeast we used in it is a... Uh, it's a little bit of a newer yeast that's kind of meant to accentuate uh, citrus and hop forward kind of fruity, juicy flavors. So we were just kind of trying to double down on the whole orange aspect of it. It sounds about right. I get like that burst of like orange juice flavor instantly. That was my first thought. Yeah. What do you, you think, Jungle? Did you try it yet? What do I think? Yeah. Well, I, uh, it, it, this is my first time, man. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before because I usually, when I drink beer, you hear a pop and go, 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 you know, and I'm watching these guys swirling it and putting their nose in it. And I'm watching this swirling and putting their nose in it. What? What's going on, guys? I mean, I, is this like I only seen wine people do that? I've never seen them do that with beer. Tell me what that's well, all about. The big difference is in beer, you don't spit. You don't spit? <laughs> yeah, as compared to wine. I just in, wondered, in wine, I see you swirling these things. I don't know what you you're doing. Yeah. You're in beer, you, you always drink it down. But it's just it's, an, it's just how you kind of evolve the flavors and aromas out. You know, when you drink a beer out of a can, uh, it's, it's like holding your nose and yeah, just taking no, it down. I've never seen anybody so, do that before. Yeah, a lot, because of, a lot of what you taste uh, is actually through your nose uh, as opposed to actually in your mouth. So uh, just having all the senses available uh, it just fills out the, the flavor. Actually, that being said, one thing that's really cool to do is swirl the beer and smell it. Okay. Right now, do it. Put your nose in it. All right. Now keep now. Now do it keep again, swirling. but with your, with your mouth open. It's like profoundly different. That is weird. Yeah. yeah. I would thing, have never other, thought to try that. The other thing you could do is, uh, take a sip of it while holding your nose. Okay. And it'll taste, it's a little tricky, but it'll taste completely different. You'll probably get less fruit, more pronounced bitterness. Oh, absolutely. It's like that straight Healthy. hoppy. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. I think it was, I really just wanted to show you guys how bad my motor skills were. I'm like, uh, smell and open my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ferdinand, what do you say, Ferdinand? It's exactly what we were going for. We wanted that big, juicy bomb still to have a good hot profile to it, but I wanted this IPA to be approachable from people who didn't like IPAs to people who loved IPAs. The fruit carries a lot of acidity, so it'll mm. it'll eat through some of that like creamy notes that you're going to get from the flaked malt. So uh, yeah, when you drink a, a hazy IPA without fruit, it like will come off as a bigger body. It'll it'll be sweeter typically, but that that lower pH, especially the way that we added the fruit throughout the brew, you know, it was peel on the hot side, and then there was uh, juice and puree on the cold side. It like it it drops the pH. I mean, you're adding acid throughout natural acid from the fruit throughout the brewing process. So it's, it's going to strip body. So when you describe things like body in a beer, what exactly should I be thinking? You know, I drink beer, 
but I never think about it that way. So, so like, what, what, you know what I mean? You should look at the beer uh, okay. and like look at the appearance of it, and then you should smell the beer and get a get an idea for what it smells like, uh, and then you should taste the beer. And up front, that's like. Uh, you're going to get the the first wave of flavor across your your palate, and then when you swallow, part of the finish of the beer is is the body. So it it'll be referred to as dry or sweet. Okay. Um, and sweeter is like literally just has more sugar in the solution, so it's it's going to um, it'll have a bigger swallow, and um, it's literally the it'll have more body. So when you, someone says body, okay, it's, it just it's means s- sweetness. Okay. It'll have more viscosity, and it'll have a bigger swallow, and then dry is the opposite. It's thinner body and um, uh, less sweetness and and more of like a drying feeling and astringency across your tongue. I was always afraid to ask it, to be honest with you. You know, it's like, yeah, that. because, you know, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, the body. Sure, sure, sure. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're afraid to ask so. stupid, the, the, yeah. the very, very <laughs> basic. You know, right. you know what? You're surprised yes. when you ask that. Yeah, if you yeah. ask the other people in the room, how many know what it is? Probably half don't. Right. So when you ask those stupid questions, a lot of people make faces, but they yeah, they didn't know yeah. either. And look, he doesn't know what body is. What I got to be the first. The- body is. <laughs> Everyone can taste the same flavors. The the people that are good at tasting beer just have the vocabulary. Oh, yeah. That's all. No, it I, is. I no. I, I the first time I'm I'm telling you, you know what? I own like two cigar stores. Right, I sell a lot of cigars. So I had these people, celebrities in from Florida, and. I lit my cigar, you know, and after I lit it, I started puffing, and I saw three of them look at me. I says, what? Another guy looked at me and says, you lit your cigar wrong. I said, I lit my cigar wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, so all you people out there, I mean, I'm new to this, but I would say that you need to go, what, someplace and find the proper way to swirl and sniff, because if you're in a, you know, public gathering and people are drinking beer, you might want to... uh, little show there, huh? <laughs> Even if you don't know what you're doing, a little twist and shout. That's huh? right. <laughs> little show, nothing wrong with it. You can always act like you swirl it around, stick your back and forth. I'm doing this all the you time You don't want to just pop yeah. the lid and guzzle. You don't want to do that. Yeah. You want to really show them how fancy you are? When yeah. You, when you have it in a stem glass like this, always hold it just oh, by the bottom. See, always hold okay. it Never, by, never yeah, hold it in it. your hand because that will yeah, warm it right. up. Right. That oh. warms the beer. There you go, folks. You can't see what's going on. Whoa, whoa. There you go, man. Whoa. <laughs> stay in that Stay in that jar, baby. It's funny. Once you start doing it to beer, though, you can't stop. And it just becomes like an autonomic response. You'll pick up a beer and you'll be like, yep, this is like it just you automatically start doing it. I, I can't sit and drink and enjoy a beer without dissecting every aspect of oh, it. That's it's actually no oh, fun. That's it's almost no fun to drink beer. No, anymore. no, that's who you are. <laughs> but that's who you are, you know. That's amazing. So how did this collaboration come to be, right? Like, I know, obviously, you know, we've done a bunch of work with 50 West before. And obviously, things like the, the uh, what am I thinking of, the movie theater at Eastgate and what have you. How did this all come to be? Like, who wants to field that one? I feel like all these these types of, like, story conversations are good for Bobby. You want me to go all the way back, all the way back well, to I mean, the beginning? Uh, uh, I think yeah. take it back. <laughs> yeah, go to all, the way, all the way back to the beginning. Yes, all go the way. Genesis. Facebook. And but once you get to the collab, you can probably pass it off. I'll to I'll pass it off to you and Ferd at that point. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, we can go back to when I was like four years old. and uh, Maybe not that far. No, maybe, I think we can go back to when <laughs> I was about four years now. old. Tell me about your youth. All right. So you want to hear about my youth? <laughs> I was a small boy. I aspired to be a baseball player. Uh, no, they. So when I was a kid. Uh, my dad sold coupons for a living. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy he went to college with uh, who had a grocery store that was buying coupons from him. There weren't a lot of people buying coupons from him. And that guy was Jungle. And so as a kid, we would drive 50 minutes 
to go buy groceries at this place called Jungle Gyms because we had a credit at the store in exchange <laughs> oh, for coupons. I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, most kids, most of you out there probably, most, <laughs> most of you guys out there that. probably went to the grocery store that was around the corner from your house. Yeah. <laughs> we would go to this fruit stand uh, that had a huge giraffe outside with yeah, some water yeah. that was in the front. I forgot that. And uh, we would come through here and we'd buy our groceries, and that's where we went every week. So Jungle uh, has always been in our life. For, uh, for a really long period of time. So fast forward to, I'm probably 27, 28. I moved back to Cincinnati uh, and I'm looking on Facebook and I'm looking at Jungle Gyms and they didn't have a Facebook account at the time. So I called up, not Jungle, but I called Jimmy and said, hey, Jimmy, you guys want a Facebook? Can, can I come like do your Facebook for you? So I started a Facebook thing with Jungle uh, and I would go through every week and we would do the newsletter and create the Facebook. We come up with content each week, uh, which wow. it's amazing to walk in here and see now you guys have a podcast studio. Because at the time it was like, we didn't even have a Facebook page. <laughs> By the way, I still control your Facebook page in case you're wondering. Oh, uh, wow. Did cool. you know that? Yeah. No, I have no idea. Yeah. See, now that's now So long story control. short. So it's all about control. Shut <laughs> it down. Anyway, so uh, fast forward to, we opened up a brewery around 2011. And I knew Ed from doing, I would do the Facebook page oh, of sure. <laughs> basically I would go down every week. We would talk to, we talked to Ed, we talked to different departments to put the newsletter stuff out there. So Ed was the one who gave us our first chance with our beer inside of jungle gyms. Um, at which point, uh, I ended up handing that account over to max. And I think this is max where you can jump into the story and, and explain your relationship. With wow. Jungle. I know what he's getting yeah, at. So, back. uh, so I walk in here, uh, it's probably what, like 2013, 2014? Yeah. Something like that. And uh, I walked in, wow. sell beer. Bobby's like, I was brewing beer at the time, and then Bobby was like, no, you, you need to start selling our beer. And I was like, okay. So it gives me a short list of places to go. Um, the short economics of it was we had uh, way more demand than we did supply. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, we're going to go to these few accounts, and, and I'm going to try to sell us out. And so I walk into, I'm, I'm like around town and I walk into Jungle Gyms for the first time and I had a list of names where I was like, okay, I'm supposed to talk to Ed here. How do I find Ed? So I just walked straight up to the bar and I swear to this day, I, I feel like the woman behind the bar at the time, like knew what she was doing to me. But I said, I, w I said to her, I was like, I'm looking for Ed. And she was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll call him for you. So over the intercom, she calls for Ed and, and that I think set Ed on fire. And so he responds back, you got to go find me in the aisles. And I was like, okay. I was like, at first I, I, I still didn't think anything was wrong. And so then I go find Ed finally, but I have no idea what the guy looks like. So I'm just kind of going up to people like, are you Ed? Are you Ed? And uh, so I find Ed and he looks at me and he's like, are you the one that intercomed to me? And I was like, yeah, I was just looking for you on Max. Like I'm from 50 West. We have this beer. We're, you know, on the east side of town. And he just starts laying into me. He's just like, you're the salesman. I'm the buyer. Get out Holy of my Holy mackerel. I can't believe they're so, they're act, they act like that all the time. No, no, no. no. Hold on. Great. The backstory oh, on that. If you guys, I don't know how often you guys talk about it. But Ed, if you want to talk about craft beer uh, in Cincinnati. In well, he also, like, I don't think he gets enough credit for really being the first place that developed craft beer in in Cincinnati. Like yeah, this is dating back even before the local breweries before. You remember that. He 
Ed was I remember t- he, that. you guys were buying beer that nobody wanted. Right. I remember that. He came up to me and he says, Man, we should double the size. I said, I gotta move the cooler, do this for what? He goes, I'm telling you, we had the largest craft beer selection till everybody caught up, man. We were right, you were there. I was so so you had all of it. And I'll never forget when I was doing the newsletter and we had the newsletter and the Facebook, one of the biggest things, uh, what's Greg Cook from Stone, right? Mm -hmm. He came out to Jungle Gyms. And this is this. It wasn't the days where every week you could go to a tap takeover. It was like Jungle was the only one doing it. And he came into town and what, like six, seven hundred people showed up to see him because there was this craft beer thing that was booming, but nobody was taking advantage of it like it is today. And so Ed was, really was like the godfather of this thing. And because of that, you know, when it came to sales reps walking in the door, it's almost like a good football coach or, you know, in sports sure. where they're going to they're gonna beat up on you a little bit to yeah. kind of see prove up. So Max so, is, runs so he, into this scenario. So he throws me out of the store that like he finishes with get out of my store. And I was like, dang, okay. Jeez, I can't believe it. So, so no, the, the story gets, gets good. Though. There's a happy ending. And so, all I care about is at the end, give me the sales figure. They up or down, all right? <laughs> oh, they're up. That's they're the up. Big We're thing. good. We're good. Tell the rest of the story. Um, yeah, so he throws me out, and I call Bobby, and I'm like, we don't need these guys. Like, <laughs> I don't care how much beer these guys sell. I'm not selling beer to that guy. <laughs> and, uh, Bobby's like, no, you have to go back in. So uh, I learned. Like, I, I wasn't a salesman yet, but I like learned over the course of like just repetition and being persistent, like what it took to be a salesperson, especially in beer. And, uh, and yeah, Ed helped teach me that, uh, just, you know, going in week after week and, and he was the toughest guy in town to sell to. But like, once you created that relationship with him, he sold the most amount of beer of anybody. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the end of the story is Ed and I ended up in a, in a good place and, uh, and we became buddies and then it became easier than ever to sell a lot of beer. Cause if Ed was on your side, then, then you were moving. You're working. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's so cool. So, so yeah, so we've had a long, long relationship with Jungle Gyms. Um, yeah. and then yeah. when it came time to do a, a collaborative beer, I mean, you guys, this is where you really took it over, right? Like you guys well, sat no, down and it starts with, or? it starts with Ferd. Yeah, that's where he comes in. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, time to shine, Fern. Well, let me tell you. Tell him the story, Fern, or I'll tell it to him. Well, you go ahead and tell it. No, no, you tell it. It better <laughs> come from you because if it comes from me, sometimes they think I had to live a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was actually at home. I was off. I was off a day, and, he, and Jungle calls me. He's like, "Why don't we have our own beer?" I'm like, "Well, you can't make beer and sell as much beer as we do." He's like, "No, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like, why don't we have our own beer? Why don't we have something that's like our." like a beer that we're collaborating that we're going to keep on the shelves that we're going to do. He's like, but I don't want you to do any just, just hokey stuff. Like it has to be good. Like what are the players in town? Who are we going to work with? Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, let me, let me think about it. Get back to it. He's like, no, no, come on, babe. Let's go. Let's go. It's like, all right, well, 50 West. He's like, perfect. I love 50 West. Nah, like, tell him the story. <laughs> you know, this is, this is truth podcast. Tell him the truth. You're under oath. Tell them the truth. Don't. We don't want people to be listening and think it's uh, you know. Yeah. So I liked that story. What? For the <laughs> record, <laughs> you know, people can listen to podcasts all the time. They want to hear the truth. Podcast. So true. Okay. Fernando, you want me to tell them? Yeah, you tell them. So I told him everything was fine. All right. And then he goes, "I'm working with this brewery. I forget who it was." Oh no 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 no! You got to go to my my buddy Bobby. You go, Bobby. That's it. And the reason why you had a little easier time selling beer here, yeah, because I told Eddie 
me and Bobby goes way back. You saw the hell out of this beer. I like that. That kind of helped you <laughs> a little you. bit. You <laughs> <laughs> also kept showing up, John. Right. I mean, right. you know, no, I mean, I said, whatever it takes, you give him the prime spot. I says, he's a friend of mine. You move his damn beer. I appreciate it. You're so like I the Wizard of Oz. I'm not taking away from your salesmanship. No, you can't. <laughs> but you just had a little shove. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get a little, a little push in the right direction. Right. Well, we still are. I mean, we go back. Me and him, Ben, his beard, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from his beer. No. I'm just saying we have a good partnership. We work together good. We're going to do all we can to help 50 West. They help me all the time. And yeah. that's what business is about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Help each other out when you can. Makes good sense to me. Yeah. They can make a lot of sales. They do a good product. How easy is that? Everybody goes home happy. It's right. the best. So then Ferd showed up with like some Cara Cara oranges. Yeah. He set up a meeting at our place. You, you take no. over. Well, set up the meeting, um, talked to AJ, and I was like, what's the best orange in here? Like, I already knew I wanted to do oranges, and I'm going to tell you that I I haven't had a plethora of different oranges. And he gave me, like, four. I'm like, try these, try these, try these. And I brought the one back, and I'm like, what's this? He's like, it's Cara Cara. He's like, the rind's thick. And I'm like, perfect. They can they can use the rind and the flesh. And I brought the Cara Cara orange. And Scott's like, yeah, I've used it before. And I'm like, Damn, I thought I was bringing something new to the table. Like, no, I've, I've used it before, but it is a. He's, he's like, but it's it does really work very well in the kind of beer you want to make. So, because I wanted to make a juicy IPA, and he's like, that that'll work perfectly. So, and then we walked around with it. Nobody wanted to eat it, so I sent it home with Bobby. So, so I so I I thought you sent everybody home with one. Yeah. So then I took the orange and you know, the only orange, the only had. orange that the we only had, sample that we had. <laughs> and I, the one that everyone had handled multiple times. And I yes, I gave it to my seven year old daughter, and she she liked it. But then Max came in the next day. He goes, "Hey, how was the orange? You think it'll be good?" I go, "I I don't know. I didn't try it. I gave it to my daughter, my seven year old." And he goes, "That was the only orange we had." <laughs> Luckily, Scott had worked with it before, so we felt we felt comfortable. But at the time, I was like, "Oh shoot, I, I, we got to go back and get more care." care, care. This is the first time we used it in an IPA. We've used it in some fruited sours before, but so this okay. was the first time in an IPA. But based off the experience, we we knew it would work pretty well. It's got a great like taste. It's got a good body to it. Eh? You like me learning this yeah, terminology, right? Time to show off. But no, it really has a great flavor. I mean, it, it's got that like that perfect balance of not being too sweet while still retaining like the beer overall flavor you know I don't know, i'm really happy with it i'm excited and there's a ton in front of me so i'm like doubly excited now <laughs> uh great can i open another one i don't uh, no, please it's i'm fine with drinking it like that aren't you okay yeah just so, check it yeah i think it'll be okay i think we know a guy <laughs> i think i just bought that though so, yeah it probably <laughs> is how many oranges and stuff like this did you go through to I know you had one. Yeah, we had, well, that one didn't actually make it <laughs> into the beer. Um, we made it to lunch. We uh, we ended up getting. I think it was how much? How much did you give us? A uh, hundred, hundred and something. Hundred and fifty pounds. pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used most of that, and then we also uh, augmented it with some actual puree that we had bought as well. Uh, I would say in total. Oh, just wondering. I'm just wondering. That's right. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, in, in total, there was probably 300 pounds of oranges ooh, in the batch. That's, that's in a 10-barrel batch. In a 10-barrel so. batch. So. Well, that's exciting. Is that, would you say that's like a fairly common amount? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's it's up there. I mean, okay. there's always, 
there's always somebody who's done more and there's always someone who's done less. Sure. Um, and different fruits require different amounts of yeah, yeah. concentration to like come through. In is the that product. like an acidity thing ultimately as far as like the mix goes? Yeah, I mean like you've eaten fruit before. Like the, <laughs> if you eat a blueberry, it's like not super flavored, but sure. if you eat like a really ripe, peach it is sure uh so it's it like just depends on the fruit that makes moisture, a ton of moisture content i mean strawberries are like 98 and a half percent water right so like if you're making a strawberry beer you got to use a lot of strawberry because just the flavor doesn't come through as strong so um, what I, I might be making that percentage up but it's got to be close to that sure so being that, a lot of water what, what were you asking before you're asking that what was that basic question you asked what uh was, about the body did, yeah body yes right? well i'm gonna ask some stupid questions um there are no stupid questions. Well, only stupid answers. So, so no. So you're you're when you do this beer and you do all your tastes, you do your mixes. So apparently you've run, ran through the different fruits and vegetables. I mean pears, strawberries. I mean we've used a yes. lot. Of, we haven't used them all, but we've it's used no, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Watery ones like uh, what is it's watermelon. It never yep. tries to right. No, watermelon works. You have to use some of the rind. Strawberry doesn't work. Strawberry's it not works. the greatest. You just have to use a lot. Blueberry's not the greatest. It just depends on the fruit. You can get them all to come through. You just need yeah. a lot of some of them. Yeah, so basically you stayed in. So far, you stayed in the American fruits and vegetables. Well, I mean, fruit. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah. so. I don't, yeah, he's, 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 we've, he's we've, 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 played, we've played around with a few more exotic things. I mean, we've used kiwi before. Yeah, what else? Um, sour sour Before on the draft. We Go ahead, what else? King of the Jungle. We used some crazy stuff. On like oh, what? we did. We used kumquat in a beer one time. Okay. okay. We used, um, what were the other? We've used we Buddha's hand. Pineapple, yeah. We used a little bit of Buddha's hand fruit in the sour oh, ones. Oh, that's, yeah, um, yeah, which is basically all pith. So oh, okay. you just zest So what that. I was getting at is later on, you might might want to just, you know, we have all those Asian vegetables mm -hmm. and yeah. international vegetables. I mean, fruits, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Maybe later on you can get some right ones because it's all about flavor, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you get a green one, you'll say, yeah, this doesn't work. Just like a green strawberry or green anything. But there might be some stuff back there that one of these days mm -hmm. makes sure call you know get make sure from Lucy that the stuff is just ripe ripe and get some of that wild stuff we saw that may, may be fun. Yeah, I you guys I'm might be able to tap into a whole new flavor because yeah. we have all that weird. I don't know what that also stuff pretty, is. Pretty on brand for right? jungle gyms, <laughs> huh? Pretty on brand for jungle no, gyms. No, I'm just, just bringing it up right? with like a really tropical. That's why I was asking how how much oranges if it was just one or two, but you usually, you use the fruit. Yeah, I mean, it, it generally takes a lot. That the, That's the tricky thing when you get, you know, into some of the more exotic stuff, you know, the you get into pricing concerns where it's like, oh, this stuff's really expensive. Oh, I and see we, what you're And we gotta use like yeah, but we're not 400 worried about pounds that. of it. We're not worried about the price, yeah. right? We're worried right. about having fun, right? Right, having fun. Make Did, I say that, Bobby? Did I say that? I'm getting yeah. old, buddy. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm getting old, boy. I can't believe it. No. I can't believe I said that. It's on tape. They can play it back. I know. I know. I'll, I'll edit it yeah. out. I got you. But I mean, it might be fun. Now you might want to get that. What's that one Asian that if the if the people put it on the airplane, they actually will stop? And this is truth, by the way. Durian. Yeah. Yeah. They actually see, stop the airplane and make sure they get off that airplane because of durian, mm -hmm. right? Oh, and yeah. we sell it frozen. We saw a lot of it, but it's frozen because, man, if you let it thaw out. Now, if you had that, if we were doing this, we'd have to do it outside. 
Right. Well, that's 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 why. Like, like, oh, durian, the king yeah, fruit. Yeah, like, oh, oh God, oh, I can't whoa. drink that. It's like Limburger. Oh, <laughs> yeah. right. So don't stick, don't swirl it. You don't want to do that. <laughs> don't you know swirl do this that. beer. I'm trying don't, to develop. A little please snow drink snow. from the can. Oh, yeah, we'll please drink from the can. Only from the can while holding your nose. Yeah, that would be. Let me piggyback off that. Has there been a certain fruit or style or something that you all have been wanting to try that you haven't gotten to yet that you would like to do that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Uh, I'd have to think about it for a little bit. Yes, there's always, I mean, there's always new things out there. There's, you know, if you say you've done everything, then you're lying because you haven't, you have just have, there's no way to do it all. Um, yeah. It's whatever strikes your fancy. I brew a beer every year for my birthday. Cool. And this year I'm doing a stout, but I'm going to put a ton of banana puree in it. So it'll, and then we're going to put a little bit of peanut butter. So kind of Elvis inspired uh, stout. That sounds delicious. Uh, but, I, I, it's not original. There's guys that have put banana and stout before, but it's it's different. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, originality is tough to come by, I feel like, at this point in existence for humans. Especially like, craft beer. Right. And, <laughs> and it, I mean, you know, but I look at it all the time where it's just like, you just got to do it a cool way, kind of. You know what I mean? You put your own, like, unique spin on it. Yeah. That sounds delicious to me. It's going to be great. I think. Yeah, I can't like, wait. Imagine, like, like chocolate, peanut butter, uh, banana, stout. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. I demand an invite to your birthday. Well, it's my birthday, birthday every year. but it comes out, uh, it usually comes out like December, January. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, well, uh, maybe for a nano buy some. I just like maybe watching everybody pressure him into buying yeah. beers yeah. now. Yeah. 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 We have a couple kegs on. Yeah. yeah, I want two half barrels. <laughs> it's going to be a really uh, expensive keg. Yeah, but it's going to be fun, right? ADV 12%. You you and I can't get, well, I understand why. I understand it. How come you have to be hungover? I just don't get it. Yeah, that's what you I'm can like. You can create like a baby and decide whether it's a boy or a girl, but we can't figure out how to make something that makes you feel like alcohol and you're not hungover at the end of it. I'm sure maybe this is our moderation. Don't, don't, yeah. don't drink too much. But you, but you, it's it's whole, like, <laughs> We're back that, to the fun thing. This is it's probably <laughs> me another hundred years, so something like this. But I always ask myself that question. Like you wake up the next day and you're like, oh God, why do I feel like this? And you're like, how can they figure out all this stuff, but they right. can't figure that out? Like figure well, out how to take the bad part of the how many How many away. beers do you have to drink before you feel bad? Depends on the ABV. Yeah, well, I mean, right? It depends he's, on. He's I mean, my son, Chris, he drinks 32. I, I know because I when I take out the garbage, it empties in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still walking. I, it just depends, you know? But yeah, I, just I, wondered, I, I think at some point in time, at some point in in the universe, somebody will. This will happen. He loves this idea. He's I love this up it. Two or I three just times love it. I just drives me. I'm crazy. into it. I think this is a good idea. Why like, you can create a without right, a buzz? I, I Maybe there's like the, the morning the after pill that you take. No, I mean, but like, how come you can't? We can't figure out how to make you feel like you're having fun and all those effects, and then at the end of it, you have to feel like. You have to pay for it. I'm right? like, I don't want right. to. Yeah, I was like, please, I didn't ask for the bill. Yeah, <laughs> you know? oh, that, yeah we're, all, we're, we're applying for a dispensary. Is that what you're talking different. about? That's oh, a different that's feeling. Cool. That's, that's, different. Up, that's a psychedelic right versus depressant. But yeah, yeah. and that, that's right. the easy answer is always, that's oh, good. well, marijuana doesn't make you feel like that. But those are right. two different feelings. Right. And then it gives you other bad, uh, like, but I, I'm right with you where you're like, yeah, right. it is, that is a great point. But why hasn't there been? A you can go to the doctor's office right now and decide that one, you want to create a baby and two, you, whether it's a boy or a girl. Right. You can do more than that with CRISPR. You can choose eye color. You can choose hair color. You can do all kinds. Of wow. stuff. How come we can't choose no hangover? Right. Exactly. And I'll pay the premium for it. I'll pay two X for the beer <laughs> if it doesn't get me yes. hung over the next day. Really? I want to get, I want to get messed up still. I definitely want to get drunk. 
But the next day, if I got to wake up and was like, oh, oh I'm, that was I'm so much fun that like, I got to do I did last drink night. a lot of Kara Kara Orange. Three years yeah. that I hired alcohol, but, three By the way, the other water. component in Bobby's <laughs> fantasy man, just is that this product flavored is also water. zero like, calories. Not zero, not zero, <laughs> but there has it has some like, I don't know. We'll see. I think it, well, there's going to be some scientific jumps in the next 100 years. Just well, like we had in the past hundred. That's the collaboration yeah. I'd like to be involved. I mean, who would ever? So, I, we've got, we've, got, part of the we've got a we've got a freaking podcast studio in a grocery store. You that probably didn't exist hundred years ago. No international yeah, market. Guy, I like that. We'll yeah, start Paul off Tenner, with him. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Bring him over. That'd be good. Not that time. they lost. What the old the one the last one they lost. No, they're the good. Jungle. No, they're good. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're, they're good. Yeah. I remember when I had a suite a long time ago. I average. I averaged, uh, let me see, I checked 10 years, 10 years of this guy's, 10 years, and he won uh, 4.6 games in 10 years. Hey. That's when I took the suite and I said, forget it, I'm done with you. You make all the money, you do everything, and you supply a shitty product. The product's good now. It's good. Product. Now the product, thank God for the fans. You're better. Yeah. No, the fans deserve a little bit. Yes. Steeler fans, every year, they don't. They always have a chance to win. But the Bengal fans, what's happening? What do you think is happening? Steelers right. beat them twice. They go to the playoff, they drop Steelers the got game. beat oh. twice this year. So yeah. this first is great. Year, it's great for the fans. They deserve no, it. No. I totally Vikings. agree. No, I, I agree. I knew too. it was a different one. Well, well, the Bengals got them twice this year, so. I know. Well, I'm Dalvin didn't fumble. I got to go back to work. You guys are starting to get off what the beer. You get off the beer and you get into the marijuana, having babies. Football, yeah, the these real people, podcast. These people listening to this don't want to listen to this crap. They, they're listening because they want to hear the beer, the beer, the Absolutely. swirling, the aroma, the taste, the chocolate. You know, carry, carry. You know. Yeah. Right, yeah. Let's jump back in on the serious side. So we talked about some of the prep stuff. I feel like, do you feel like we covered enough on the brewing side for you? Uh, I mean, it depends on how deep in the nitty gritty you want to go. I'm but. super interested. I think the audience is generally interested. I don't also don't want to be like, talk about that thing again. You know no. what I mean? Well, one cool thing that he can talk about is the cosmic punch yeast and like the thial production and all that. I'm here for it. Do you know uh, a lot about that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously you do. But like, the, do you want to talk about that? I mean, it's not too much more than what you just said. <laughs> but basically, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of compounds that are in hops, um, mostly oils. Um, and there's different things that you can do in the brewing process to try to, they're volatile. So, you know, if you cook them, they just flash off or turn into other things and, and they're not preserved. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the brewing process, if you're trying to make a very, you know, fruit forward or, or, or juicy IPA, regardless of the actual juice you're adding, uh, there's a lot of different things to try to do with the hops to, to, you know, preserve oils, some oils you want to kind of convert into, other molecules of a different, slightly different oil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's always this evolution of research that's, that's going on with hops. So every couple of years they're like, oh, remember all that stuff we said a couple of years ago? Forget that. We realized, you know, this is now better. Um, so one of the big things these days is-, is <laughs> It's like babies. Yeah. Yeah, just like babies. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're back so, to it. Car seats are still good. Well, every every ten year, years, you got to throw them away or something, regardless. No, but um, how you wrap the baby? They like, of course, they used to be like, they used to be like, swaddle the baby, and they say, don't swaddle the baby. Yeah, I mean, they used to say you don't need a colonoscopy until you're fifty. My just doctor just said I should get one when I'm forty five. You know, exactly. things change. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. So now that we're back to colonoscopy, but anyways, <laughs> so so one of the big things in in, in hop research right now, uh, they talk about thiols, which is a, a particular compound, and there's several different oils that. That are that are with come in hops that are that have that and can create that. Uh, so some of what they've been doing now with with yeasts 
is there's some reactions that that happen during fermentation and, and basically can kind of convert and change some of the oils uh, into different oils and thiols, things like that. Uh, so there's some newer yeast research that's gone on. And one of the new yeasts that's out there now is called Cosmic Punch. Uh, and it's basically, it helps increase this thiol production through through the fermentation process, which helps to amp up some of the kind of juicy notes and characteristics. Okay. So it's, it's, it's all, I mean, when I started homebrewing in the 90s, like the cutting edge of technology was, you know, figuring out, hey, we found this new weed out back and it actually like <laughs> works pretty good in beer. And that was like a big thing. And now like, there's, you know, university level research going on where they're, you know, not just breeding hops and crossbreeding hops, you know, the same as they do with other agricultural products, like if not even more than a lot of agricultural products these days, uh, breeding programs. And now with yeast, some of the yeast has started uh, getting into uh, becoming genetically modified through things like the CRISPR technology and that kind of stuff where they're selectively pulling out particular off flavor components that come from a yeast during fermentation saying right. we, we like that flavor we don't like this flavor let's you know cut we them like splice. getting drunk we don't like the hangover that's probably that's where it will get there that's where it eventually will come from if it's ever if that's ever going to happen for that's sure. really cool um so there's a lot of like real serious research that goes on in the world of beer and the flavor productions and stuff uh, way more than than it ever did before uh, so there's always new things coming out i mean we were just meeting with uh, one of our hop suppliers this morning you get with it together one a couple couple times a year and there's business to take care of but then they're always like oh here's what we got new and he was telling us about two or three things that i'm like oh i would never even have thought that could possibly ever become a thing he's like yep it's the next big thing okay cool get us some we'll try sign it you know sign me up yeah um so it's 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 constant constantly changing yeah just in in other terms but like saying the same thing that he is 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 like the thiols are this this yeast produced this thiols they're they're like sol aromatic sulfur compounds that okay. um uh riesling wine has a bunch of them uh naturally occurring in the in the grape skins and um and in that varietal and and i think in a lot of the plant actually and so you get like this that yeast when it ferments you know eats the maltose and ferments the beer it creates like a white gummy bear note it creates like oh. kind of these like what you would expect out of a sauvignon blanc or a riesling um you can actually buy the grape skins and must as a powder and use it in beer, which it will increase thiol production. But yeah, the hops naturally have it. And then the yeast naturally has it. And then you get like a very tropical beer. Okay. The, then we threw a bunch of orange throughout the process on. So you get this like really structured citrus note that goes from like pithy and, and oily to like juicy and acidic. And then like on the background of that, you'll get those yeast notes where it's like, oh, there's like a little bit of like squishy, overly ripe, like squishy tropical fruit and and white gummy bear and uh, guava kind of thing going on. I love that. The white gummy bear thing. It's like I didn't know how to describe that taste till you said that. And I'm like, oh, that's it. It's perfect. Amazing. Descriptor words. Yeah, go, right. That's another one. Add that <laughs> one to the bank. Yeah, exactly. I, I Max feel, is one of the best. I feel like that's my whole job, though, is literally just meeting people smarter than me and then going, 
Oh, I get some white gummy bear. Yeah, Every, exactly. everybody knows what a white gummy bear tastes. Right, like. exactly. And then the next time I'll be out, you'll see me swirl my glass a little bit. You pull it. You open just a pocket full of gummy bears. Yeah, like to compare the different taste. flavors. This is a green this gummy bear. Like I don't already <laughs> carry yes. a bag of gummy yes. bears. It's like the guitar. You look like a guy finding, who would. finding the notes and the different strings. That's so true, though. Get some right. We get some green apple jelly. Same thing. Just walk around with white gummy bear. See, all art is sort of the same thing. The same. But I am really gonna carry gummy bears. Now. Challenge accepted. Yikes. We'll yeah. just start talking off flavors and get some uh, green apple Jolly Ranchers. Your green apple yeah. Jolly Ranchers. Yes. You don't want the green flavors no, in okay. beer. That's a bad flavor. That would maybe be why a is po- that right pocket beer. versus left pocket. Hey, yeah. He'll explain it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, why is just, that bad? There's, I mean, personal preference. We don't want to talk too no, much no. about things that are bad in beer. Keep it positive. But sure. Um, also, if you teach your, every, all these fans how to recognize all the off flavors, they're going to yeah, get too smart. Exactly. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. Well, but anyway, we can never be too smart. This is uh, yeah, yeah, no, just, sure So there are some different podcasts after I'm teasing, hours. There are some different off flavors that can be derived from from yeast, uh, especially if it's stressed during its fermentation. They'll throw off some flavors that are generally not very good. Okay. Uh, one of them is uh, called acid aldehyde. Uh, it's basically like a green apple kind of flavor, uh, and it's it's. If you're trying to explain to people, like if we had a beer right now that had it, I could try to explain it to you. And you'd be okay. like, okay, yeah, you, you give me that look. You're like, yeah, right. yeah, sure. Okay, great. Yes. And then, but I would say, <laughs> but I would say, do you taste je- green apple Jolly Rancher? And then you, then you would go, yes, that's what it is. Okay. Okay. Now I know what it is. Like you, I can tell you all about what acid aldehyde is and what it tastes like and this and that, but it's great when you can have that, that common knowledge, like descriptor that everyone understands just like okay the 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 white yeah. the white gummy bear the green apple jolly rancher uh um uh Band-Aid. buttered popcorn Band-Aid. uh band-aid yeah but buttered popcorn burnt rubber uh there's all kinds of things like that that you know can be off flavors in beer that i can tell you the chemical names of it and you'll be like okay sure but then right. i say yeah that thing that tastes like burnt rubber oh yeah, now, Got it. now I know what you're talking about. The tire flavor. But yes. for the yes. most part, how they end up in there is like yeast is a single cellular organism, right? Mm-hmm. They're like these living things that eat and and like dispose of what they eat. And so it'll it produces the ethanol, it produces some of the carbonation, um, and it produces the flavor of the yeast, right? So there's different strains of yeast that create different flavors, but like those flavors are just metabolites. So like it takes in the sugar and it produces all these things. Well, some of those things don't taste great. And so if you process the beer correctly, um, it'll naturally clean itself up and make a really nice flavor. And if you don't process it correctly, it'll leave some of those flavors behind. So that's where you'll get the green apple and that's where you'll get like a phenolic flavors or, you know, spicy notes that aren't supposed to be there or smoky notes or so on. I, I used to I used to use a very much more rudimentary and slightly crude uh, explanation of that and basically say, well, look, you know, Yeast takes in sugar and it pees out alcohol and it farts out CO2. That's what it does. But along with that, a lot of other things come out. And there's a lot of things that make that be different. Temperature, you know, the environment, whatever. I like to say it's, it's, what comes out of you the next day if you had Chinese food last night Mm -hmm. or you had Mexican food last night, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's a, I'm like, it's a, it does seriously like very the same old thing, factory. The same experience. thing's coming out, but it might not, uh, might not. I love exactly that. I know we're same. all kind of like, oh I have gosh. like Chinese and Mexican food both. I, combined both at the rice? same time. I mean, combined at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's but the but kind it of leftovers I'm trying to leave behind. Wow, right. <laughs> but, there, no, but there's been a lot of times where I've used that analogy and people are like, oh, now I get it. Okay. 
it is sort of it says a lot about all of us as people. Well, people people get nervous though when you when sometimes we say they're like, well, I'm not drinking beer anymore if it's just peeing and fire. Like, no, no, right. That's fermentation as a whole, whether right. it's yeah, wine yeah, yeah. or liquor or whatever. That's how this process. Yeah, it's like you eat a pickle recently. Yeah. Guess what? There's some fart in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. How often do you all do collaborations? Well, first off, with with an international market, is this like the first time for you all? This is the only international market <laughs> I know of. So. We, we've actually done like more low key collabs with Jungle Gyms before. This is the first one that we've ever packaged. Oh, okay. We've done. We used to call it uh, King of the Jungle, like oh, ale, like nice. yeah, plan words. And um, the we did. I don't know for how many did we do? three, four, four. It was pineapple it was twice. pineapple twice, kumquat, kumquat. and. Something else. Because Kumquat wasn't the last one, I don't no, think. No, we went back to Pineapple. Yuzu. Yuzu, yes. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is like a Japanese Yuzu. citrus. Like, yeah, lemon lime citrus. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were all very, very, very good, but they were just undraftable stores. Just made less of an impact because, like, when, the second you package a beer, people can ship it, they can trade it, they can keep it in their fridge. It has, like, more, um, you know, mind share it's because it's in your fridge and it's you see it. Media. Like, you open yeah. it up. Yeah, it's a physical media. Yes, exactly. Uh, so this is the first one that we ever packaged. So this will, it'll probably go down as the only club or not the only, cause hopefully we do more, but like, it'll be, it'll be known as like the first time probably that we ever collaborated with Jungle Gyms to most people. Right. But it's actually like the fifth. <laughs> this counts over, right? Like I get to bring it home. Yeah. That may, you make such a good point about that. How it is like, yeah, it won't, it won't sit with the collective consciousness until it is like an actual physical, it's a physical product, thing. That yeah. You, yeah. That's why vinyl got popular. Right? Ah, I was just going to use the music analogy. Yes. Yeah. It, the music is always the Vinyl's answer. back. Yeah. It's awesome. Cause Mostly because my back. eyesight's going, so now I can really see the artwork. <laughs> well, no, I, same thing. Uh, I'm dealing with that with video games right now. Mm -hmm. It's like the holidays are coming around and my son wants video games for, yeah. right? And you just download it now. So now it's like, ah, oh, here's a paper card. Where like, before it was like, oh my God. Yeah, you like, got that box. You get to, oh, yeah. Remember opening like, a Nintendo, yes, what that felt yes. like? Yeah, now it's a 12-digit code. <laughs> yeah, so like, here, scratch that off and go put it in downstairs. Yeah, exactly. at least they left the scratch off set. I'm like worried for yeah. that to go away where eventually it's just going to be like my mom or someone's mom printing stuff off. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Cool. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know this is a part of a series. Are there, uh, are there any uh, hints or future products I can get people excited about? Um, jungle... Uh, insisted this, this be a truth podcast. So, okay. Um, no, a hundred percent truth. I'm the here truth for it. is we plan for more, but we have not decided uh, what we're going to do yet. Um, this one we, we put out there, it's kind of proof of concept. I think that yeah. like the structure of, and the organization of how we um, schedule and launch the collaborative beers will get more sophisticated as we um, see the, the results of this one. So cool. No, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. This I'm is, this is the it. first one that we're, we're stoked about it. We just dropped it off yesterday. Yep. And uh, yeah, we think it's great. Um, it's, a, it's a really neat beer. I've been it's out on the floor, both stores. Both stores, yeah, both out stores. on the floor. It's on draft at Fairfield. By the time this podcast comes out, it will be on draft at Eastgate. But in a perfect world, since it'll be a week away, hopefully it'll all be gone. And I was going to say that. So I've been drilling them so all. Why are the, we doing this? Yeah, no, I've been drilling everybody <laughs> for the last week, though, setting it up for this, where I've been like, hey, Go buy a case now because we're all going to drink it together when we drink together at the beginning of the show. So I thought that'd be a lot of fun. And that's a proof of concept for me because I've been trying to do little stuff like that where I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy some stuff in the store. You guys have two weeks to buy it. Come in and get some and then I'm going to eat it with you and then we can all kind of talk about it. But it's mostly just me talking to them. But they feel like they're a part of it. We should have right brought some oranges in here. 
That would have been good, and we could have sampled it comparatively. Yeah, we. I totally blew it. We can like. This is how I get fired. Yeah, we'll like do games and stuff where it's like drink, eat this one blindfold. Also, we could put the the podcast on the label and be like, hey, want to hear us talk about this That'd beer? Be awesome. Yeah, imagine we do a label, use the artwork or something like that. Who did the artwork for that? So I actually, believe I think that's was, a label right there. Yeah, yeah. That's label art right there. <laughs> I mean, I would be all kinds. So of being honest, that. Jungle wants a label to pop. So maybe there is a podcast brew. Hi. They love this. Everybody loves watching us in the studio. That's my favorite like part. They have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. They're just like, what are they talking about? Well, talk, well beer, but, probably, because there's beer on the table. Yeah, exactly. Is that a new soda? Yeah, it is. Uh, so, 7.3%. So we need to come up with a, a clever acronym for what that could stand for that would be the name of a beer. And this could be a label. That's how you got to pronounce it. Phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll come up. I'll, I'll, I'll run some ideas by you guys. Well, it ends in I, which is helpful because then we can just add PA to it. Right. <laughs> would you do IPA? Yeah. Or right. roll into something imperial, well, no, too. Yeah. Double IPA. I keep wanting, to, if the letters were different, I keep wanting to say we could call it, you know, what would Jungle do? If it was W, I got that a lot at first. If it was WWJD, did they say what would Jungle do? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like an old radio call sign. Like you know, it's like any station east of the Mississippi was a W starter or K for the West Coast. So no one knows how that works. Yeah, so W Jungle Gyms International, for example, here. Hold on, wait, explain that again. So yeah, so if like any radio station built west of the Mississippi, is starts with a K. So that's why you have like out in LA, you've got like K Rock, and you know what I mean, all that stuff, and then east since we're here. We've got WKRC or so the W's yeah. are east of the Mississippi. Yeah, which is really weird that they pick this. Is they're like, yeah, why don't we do like east and west? I don't know why what the why is that. You'd think that would be the case, but I feel like it was just sounds. Cooler. It was from that time of existence where Stand people by me? just. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I kind of feel like it was that time where we just kind of deliberately made shit more difficult for no reason. We're like, hey, yeah, uh, everything in the West, uh, it starts with K now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, what could that even have to we're, do? We're going to use the imperial system where the rest well, of the world. thought the West stopped exactly. with yeah, Kansas. Kind of They're like, and, yeah. Yeah, so there's probably a bigger reason, but every time I look it up, nobody really has a good But like, none of this why. matters. We should all wear rubber bands that say W. JJI on them. And just wait till it happens. But yeah. I'm bringing that back. <laughs> that's my first piece of merch. So like, oh, that's really weird. weird. You know? Wait, wait, what's yeah. that? What were we talking about? With you just like when they were doing like a, a WWJD. Remember oh, that trend? Bracelets. Oh, Everyone oh, had yeah, the, the rubber yeah, bands on. Yeah, yeah, I like those rubber bands. Yeah, that was a fun thing. I don't know. What, I kind of actually don't know why we moved away from them. They're just too many. Too many people did. Right. Live Strong yeah. did uh, steroids. That I think that was it. I think we can blame the failure not on Lance Armstrong. That's a good point. Yeah, because they were the first. Were they the first one, or was WWJD? I don't know. It seems like they had the was same the big time. one. Yeah, in my mind, they were both big. Man, everybody had a Livestrong bracelet. Oh yeah. Well, on a serious note, guys, was there anything else that you wanted to cover on the beer and the collaboration that I did not uncover earlier? I feel like the stories, the behind the scenes, were good. I felt pretty confident on that. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure you got out there for? Ford, we didn't talk about was, you winning the freaking weight loss challenge thing because I put it all back on. You look great. We, we do Fur. have some good pictures of, of Ferd brewing the beer. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know where those ended up, but uh, link to those somewhere. Yeah, there should I be a QR code on the, the yeah. sign, and you can go grab that. And I can't wait to get my hands dirty on the next one. So Yeah, I don't know. If you we guys like I'd like name. your hands to be you clean like if you're going to be handling my beverages. The name of the beer? The name of the beer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was great. my I first the, dart. I love the artwork on it. That was my first dart, and they were they, like, it sounds they, great. They actually designed most of it. Like, 
Alex okay. like tweaked it a little I bit, just, but they designed it. I wanted it. to stay away from Jungle Brew because Monorail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we if we need like a, an official succinct like plug, but like someone can be like, hey, it's available at both locations, nine ninety nine. Yeah, this probably should come from. I you think know. that. So. I think you just did it. That's yes. the plug. No, but for, if you want to drop Fair that enough. plug in for sure. Well, yes, it is available at both locations. Currently, it is on draft at Fairfield. Um, it won't last long. I think I sold a half a keg of it last night. Just about everybody who came in, because I was behind the bar, I was like, I helped make this beer. They're like, what? Really? Yep. Grabbed it, and a lot of people grabbed six packs on the way out. Perfect. So um, definitely jump on this beer. Yeah, it won't last long. We didn't, we didn't make a lot of it. I'm drinking through my selection already, so. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you all coming in today. That was yeah, awesome. thanks for having us. What an episode. Am I right? I had a great time. I always have a great time. If you can tell that about me, I try to make the best of everything always. And it's easy when things are generally fun, right? Huge thanks to the 50 West team for coming out here. Huge thanks to Jungle for his time too. I always love when he comes down to visit. So we've got some fun stuff coming up in the future weeks. The future weeks. Oh, that sounds like a weird indie band. Um, But in the upcoming episodes, I'm working on a little episode right now about some international holiday treats and with a focus on chocolates, I can bring in my friends from Ruby's Chocolates, a brand that we conveniently carry here in the store. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I had, as if, you know, I know, ardent followers, ardent support. What is it? An ardent supporter of the arts. Um... But some of you longtime followers and supporters will know I dropped a little teaser clip of this, but I had a really wonderful experience and a lengthy conversation which, with a, uh, a a comedian by the name of Tony Woods. He's mentored a lot of great comedians, blah, blah, blah. I won't dive into all the details yet because we'll talk about that on the episode, but you can look forward to hearing the extended interview here probably in the next week or so because... And I already made two references to him because Tony's next podcast stop is the Joe Rogan experience. How crazy is that? Can you imagine using me as the warm up? I can. I was there. It was great. <laughs> so that's what we got coming up here. I'm looking forward to sharing that stuff. As always, you can let me know what you want to see on the show. I'll go ahead and drop that in one more time. Podcast at junglegyms.com. Call me. The 513. 513- 674-6855 country code one if you're calling from outside of the country leave me a message tell me what you're thinking you know let's just chat for a little bit we can be friends right you know like I say a friend whose uh, personal phone number you just don't have <laughs> I'm not trying to help anyone move that's not myself and even then I'm probably going to try and find someone I can hire for cheap alright folks I think that's it for this week I hope you enjoyed I look forward to next week's episode and in the meantime I'll see you out in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.